Welcome to Lift Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Laura, and I created this podcast to help you feel inspired and uplifted so you can unleash your potential self to the world. In this podcast, I talk about divine feminine energy, female empowerment, personal development, and much more. You can expect a mixture of guest interviews and solo episodes from me alongside some of my guided meditations. I'm so happy that you're joining me today. So let's get started. Hello, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Laura, and in today's episode, I am joined by Coot Blackson, who is a transformational coach, speaker, and also an author of two best-selling books. Now, before we get into the interview, I wanted to record this solo intro just to do a check-in because so much is coming up for me. And I just felt called to share it with you because I'm sure many of you can probably resonate and also as I've been able to work through these things, I felt like it would be useful for me to talk about it now, just in case it can support you, depending on where you are. Now, in this episode, we delve into two main topics, I would say. The first one is fear, facing your fears, and how scary it is. And then the second one is surrendering. Now, after recording this episode, which was a couple of weeks ago now, I have noticed that I have been facing my own limiting beliefs coming back up again because this is the thing, no matter how long you've been doing the inner work, I've been doing the work on myself for years now and limiting beliefs still crop up, fears still come to the surface, it never goes away. I think sometimes there's this misconception that we assume people who have achieved like xyz or whatever it is the manifestations don't face any fear or have any uncertainty in their life which is just completely not true we all face the unknown we all face those fears that come up which then result in the limiting beliefs the stories that we tell ourselves and i feel that a lot of it for me has been because of the up level that I'm on and how I've consistently shown up to do the inner work and also on my spiritual path, which has then enabled me to grow and evolve as a person and how I see the world and what I want to put out into the world, how I want to live my life. And as a result, it's meant that I haven't necessarily followed a conventional path if if that's even a thing anymore and I I guess appear externally to have rebelled a little bit and began to pave my own path and pursue and work towards something that I've always wanted to create and do that being the podcast creating content interviewing guests and also my online coaching business because I know I have so much wisdom, value and knowledge and also the capacity to hold space for women to help them tap into their own truth and wisdom that I couldn't not follow that. The pull was just so strong. I was like, this is happening. And even though I didn't know how I was going to create that and in many ways, I still don't know how I'm going to get to the final bigger vision, which will probably always evolve as as we all do that's why I always say never get attached to like the bigger vision because it will probably grow but the point being here is 
I noticed that a lot of these limiting beliefs were coming up and it was causing me to really question like the path that I was on and questioning like I guess I could describe it as like that mean girl in your mind who puts you down no matter what you're doing and maybe a little bit is because I was tired maybe I didn't get as like as much sleep I'm not really sure but I noticed the thought and the biggest thing that was coming up for me was like you're just stuck you're stuck you're not making progress and can you imagine if we tell ourselves that we're stuck we're stuck we're stuck nothing's happening for us and then the mind then starts to look for things that is confirming that belief even though it's not empowering right so for me it's like looking at your friends oh well you know your friends having babies your friends are getting married your friends are buying houses your friends are doing this your friends doing that why are you not and when we have that belief we're then thinking there's something must be wrong with me i've took a wrong path i've made a mistake can you see how it unravels and believe me when i say i have these thoughts too so i noticed this happening more recently and i started to think why am i telling myself i'm stuck and that i'm not making progress where is the evidence to suggest that my life is not moving forward okay so externally certain things might still be the same however i know that i'm a different person to who i was 12 months ago two years ago three years ago simply because i have consistently shown up and done the inner work i have actively put myself out of my comfort zone and not allowed any type of fear to stop me so how could i still be the same person that i was three years ago or four years ago like it just wouldn't make sense but the ego mind is in that mindset of you're not good enough or you're not capable and if we don't stop ourselves in the track of that thought process it can really start to cause you to go into a downward spiral so i used that as an opportunity and i decided to journal on these thoughts and think about right If I'm telling myself I still think I'm stuck, let's look for evidence that I'm not stuck. So I use the podcast as an example and even this interview that I recorded with Coot and how how can that show like the version of me two years ago, three years ago would not have been able to have created and held space for an interview at this level. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't happen because I wouldn't have had the self-belief or self-confidence And then all of the other things that I've been able to do, like hold space for clients, support them to get results, see them make transformational shifts, you know, creating the content, just because some of the things externally in your life might still be the same, please trust that the internal shifts are happening. And I've spoke about this before, but there is something which is called the law of gestation which means that there's an incubation period before something comes to life. As the way a woman gets pregnant, there's nine months where the baby is growing and developing and getting everything that the baby needs. Just like your dream life, just like your manifestations, there is a period of time where things are happening underneath the surface, things that you can't see, things that are just like appear to like not even be on your radar because you're not consciously aware of that but the universe is working in accordance to your energy and it's responding to your actions so it might not be happening straight away but things are happening and obviously this requires a sense of faith and it also requires the element of surrender because we have to have that faith 
that things are working for us and that life happens for us. So if things was to just happen straight away or the next day, it might not have had the opportunity to grow to its full potential or to be aligned. And I do think as much as we can prepare and we can do the inner work and we can get ourselves ready, there is the opportunity aligns and then it's up to us to be in that position to be able to almost accept the opportunity. Whereas if we choose not to do the inner work, if we choose not to grow or change our behaviours, we wouldn't notice the opportunity. So I guess what I'm saying here is the biggest thing that I learned in that is remembering how far you are coming as a person by doing this work and also considering this because this is a big thing now I know if you're listening to this podcast you're into self-development you're into spiritual practices I know you've probably read lots and lots of books or have like a bookshelf of books somewhere in your house I get it right and I want you to remember that when you consistently choose yourself you practice self-discipline or self-belief or all of these tools that we know about that we hear all of the time meditation hypnosis journaling breath work whatever it is whatever the latest thing is if you're consistently using those tools to help you develop your self-awareness and get clarity on what you want where do you think you're going to be in five years now compare that to someone who isn't working on themselves right they have maybe a little bit of self-awareness but not a high level of consciousness now i just want to state that this isn't about a hierarchy and saying anyone's better than anyone or if you do the inner work that you're better than someone like it doesn't mean that what i'm saying is don't doubt your path don't doubt what's available to you but if you work on improving your knowledge wisdom skills implement the work because the implementation is a big part of this take the aligned action get in the energy of the right people the mentors that are going to hold the space to help you bring that out even more magic's going to happen and just think where you're going to be in three years time five years time from now if you don't stop even if you have the doubt even if you have the fear even if you think it's not happening why is it not happening why do i feel still feel so stuck why is everyone else appearing to move forward with the life and i'm not you have to remain in that faith that your intuition is guiding you here for a reason okay and if you continue to follow that just imagine like can you just imagine what's going to happen in the next five years whereas a person who's not doing the work right they're in a job that they don't like but they're not doing anything about it they're in a relationship that's not truly fulfilling or they're not treated in the nicest way possible but they're not doing anything about it because it's easier i'm doing like a little air quotes here easier to stay in that relationship because it's too scary to step into the unknown whereas you you have the courage to do that so what do you think is going to happen in five years I can't express this enough and I want to at least be the voice for you to remember that when you choose yourself and do the work on yourself it's not selfish and it will pay off it will pay off because it's paying off now it's paying off right now you don't even know it 
you can't even feel that it's paying off right because it's just your life it's you you're just living it it's like you see yourself every morning you're not noticing the changes necessarily every single day those changes are happening but it's the small daily wins that add up to the big results and trust me if you have all of those components and you don't allow the thoughts to consume your mind and limit you you'll break through the glass ceiling the glass the glass ceiling right and you'll be stronger so this is how I say limiting beliefs come up because we all know the saying I think I've said it so many times on the podcast before but it's not my saying by the way I just don't know who quotes it another level another devil and it's not that the fear goes away it's just that you you have so much more faith in yourself and trust in yourself and then you realize it's a co-creation process you're co-creating with the universe so yes things are down to you what you choose to implement and how you choose to show up and stick to your word and the advice that you get and if you invest in yourself and you actually do rather than say you're going to do and you're taking that aligned action this is when the change starts to happen and I guess linking it more to the episodes what I recorded with Coot and we're talking about surrendering it's letting go of the need for things to happen overnight like all of this transformation to happen straight away because energetically if we're not the container to be able to hold the space for the thing that we want we're not going to be able to sustain it and I don't know about you but if I'm working hard on myself and I'm showing up I want to be able to keep the things that I'm calling in I don't want to be able to not know how to manage that so energetically I'm working on the inner capacity that I have to be able to sustain something for it to feel safe for my nervous system and then for me to be able to continue to expand but it requires me to do that in a way to be ready or as ready as you'll ever be in order to meet the thing that you want the life that you want the person that you know you truly are within and not letting these limiting beliefs and these moments of you know these thoughts that we all get hold you back it's like we can be our biggest enemy we can be the person who gets in the way and it's it's just like when you actually think about it no one is getting in your way other than you but this is the thing right because if we're choosing to get in our own way we can choose to get out of our own way and that is where personal power comes into place because we can then make a decision to take a different path to change a belief a habit a certain situation all by us simply saying to ourselves I'm not accepting this behavior from myself and I'm going to raise my standards and doing that from a place of empowerment and love when you're making that decision and then you get the support help and guidance from someone that can hold that space for you this is where you're putting skin in the game and the real transformation will begin to occur so if anything what I've just shared with you then is really resonating with you and lighting a spark and just putting a fire in your belly and you're wanting to commit to doing this work and 
take it to the next level and maybe you are experiencing some heaviness or limiting beliefs that you want to shift so you can continue to grow and get more clarity on what you want for your life and the direction of your life then what I would recommend is applying to work with me one-on-one I don't actually talk about this a lot however I want to share it in today's episode I am actually offering one-off coaching calls as well so if you would just like to work with me on a one-off basis then there is a link in the show notes of the podcast where you'll be able to book in a one-on-one coaching call with me just for the one-off session as I say also there is an option to work with me which is my standard coaching three or four month periods you can choose how long you would like to work with me and I always like the three or four months because there is so much we go through in one-on-one coaching there's so much that comes up and then before we know it time has just flew and we're just like I can't believe how quick that experience has just gone but there's so much that's been able to change and progress and It just goes to show that when you are working in proximity with someone and you are fully matching that energy, like we both bring it, that's when the real like breakthrough moments occur. And I just love every single moment of coaching women through that. As I say, if you do want to apply to work with me, then there is a link in the show notes for both either the one-off the one-off <laughs> coaching call or the three or four month coaching which is actually an application process because we spend so long together and we have lots and lots of different calls throughout the week it's actually weekly calls and we want to make sure that we're a good fit for each other so that's why I do a application process for that now I'm going to play this week's episode it was so so good I'm sure you're going to enjoy it a lot what I would like to ask if it's okay with you if you haven't already I would be so grateful if you would give the podcast a review if you find it beneficial whether it's this episode or other episodes you've listened to or over on Apple or potentially even Spotify with the stars that you see what that does is it helps boost the algorithm of the podcast so it will be seen to other people who are in similar situations to you like like like-minded people and there might be an episode or some content that will really help them the final thing that i want to add is the knowledge and the wisdom that coot shares with us now is high level like it's high level it's transformational so i i know for a fact you're going to enjoy this episode but i've been speaking for enough now so i'm going to go and i'm going to play the episodes i will catch up with you all very soon hello welcome back to lift yourself with laura today i'm joined by coot blackson who is a transformational speaker national best-selling author of you are the one and his new book which is called the magic of surrender coot's work has changed thousands of lives from around the world and he's here today to talk to us about his story and the concept of surrender can i just say as well i'm really looking forward to getting deep in the topic of surrendering because this is something that i know i've struggled with and so many of my clients and listeners have struggled with as well so welcome to the podcast thanks for having me thank you for being here what would be a great introduction starting point i know i've obviously briefly mentioned 
bits about who you are, but just for <laughs> listeners to get to know you in case they don't know who you are, how you got to where you are. So whatever you feel called to share, please. Yeah, look, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London, um, South London, actually, Brixton, Peckham, um, Thornton Heath, um, Dulwich. And so uh, I lived in the US for now 20 some years. So I feel like I'm a citizen of the world from everywhere and nowhere. And from a very young age, I always felt a, I felt people's pain very deeply, you know. And so as a kid, I wanted to like alleviate suffering in some way. I just didn't know how to do that. And some people would say I had a bit of an unusual childhood. For me, it felt very normal. I just felt my childhood was like everybody's until I found out maybe it was a bit different. In that, like my first memories also as a young boy was seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand, that this the gravel that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. And so week after week, um, I grew up seeing miracles, you know, uh, people standing up out of wheelchairs. The same man who's saying she picked gravel she picked up would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, stand up, like you're not sick. Or somebody would come in with crutches and he would say, hey, throw these crutches away, like walk. And they hadn't walked in five, 10 years. And so this man was my father. He was considered the miracle man of Africa. He was a spiritual, very spiritual man, very metaphysical man, very mystical type of character. Um, very wise man in many ways. So I was blessed to grow up with a sense of like possibility, a sense that anything was possible. And so I didn't really have limits on like what was possible because when you're seeing like sick people be healed right in front of you, yeah, it just was no big deal, you know? And, and so things were very normal in that sense. And so my father built 300 churches in Ghana, uh, had hundreds of thousands of people in his in his congregation and in his, in his sort of fellowship, uh, had a huge church in London, in South London, in Wandsworth, at its height, four to 5,000 people every Sunday. And so this is how I grew up. And my mother was Buddhist, so I grew up meditating with her, and it was very eclectic childhood and upbringing. And so for me, age eight, I started speaking in my father's churches, and that's when my speaking career began. Uh, 14, I was ordained as a minister, and given the, shall we say, the mandate to take over my father's spiritual organization. and you know, everyone was happy but me, because when it was announced, unbeknownst to me, I I just knew that this was not my path. I just knew that this was not my my soul's destiny. But I think like many of us, I was too afraid to speak my truth. My fear was if I if I really dared to be myself, if I dared to to, to like speak my truth to my father, if I dared to 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 express how I really felt, then I was going to be alone. I was going to lose my father's love. I was going to be outcast. I was going to be abandoned. And I think like many of us, we allow fear to hijack our freedom and our voice and our self-expression and who we really are. And we let fear stop us from truly sharing our gifts with the world. And so I said nothing. And from 14 to 18, I went through a lot of inner questioning and turmoil, and really questioned, like, who am I? Why am I here? And you know, what, what's the purpose of life? And what am I meant to do? And I think I was trying to fit myself into a box of what I felt people around me wanted me to be. I was trying to fit myself into a framework of what I felt was acceptable by my family and community. And I was miserable, truly miserable. And so when I turned 18, I had the real conflict, you know, a breakdown kind of moment where 
I looked into my, I had to make a choice, whether I was going to go to university, whether I was going, what was I going to do with my life? And I basically felt such a strong, undeniable calling to come to the U.S. And I felt called to go into the personal growth, self-help field, because as a kid, I was sneaking to my father's office on his bookshelf were literally like a thousand books on spirituality and self-help and meditation and like Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, Deepak Chopra to the Eastern mystics. And so I began an obsession with reading and many of the modern day teachers that I saw and read about Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, Chopra, Mark Victor Hansen, Jack Canfield, they lived in like Los Angeles or San Diego, Southern California. And so I thought this is the Mecca of, of and there's a whole uh, different way of impacting people, a whole different way of, of making a difference in people's lives that's not through the structure of religion or the church. And so I looked into my future and I saw that I could take the expected path for my life, uh, could be successful following my father's version for my life. But if I don't have, and I projected, you know, age 30, age 40, age 50, but I saw that if I didn't have my myself, if I didn't have my integrity, if I didn't have my soul, if I didn't have my own truth, then what kind of success is that? And I saw that if I lie to myself now, I'm going to have to live this freaking lie for the rest of my life. And I think that felt so painful, to be honest, that I knew, like I knew what I had to do. And it was painful. It was terrifying. I had to grieve the loss of the old life. I had to grieve the loss of the potential relationship with my father. Um, I renounced everything. And I had the conversation. And that's when you could say my life shifted. Um, my father and I, we didn't speak for two years. And long story short, I won a, won a green card, literally, uh, in the lottery that enabled me to come to the U.S. at 18 and a half years old. Um, brought me to the U.S., two suitcases, $800 in my pocket, and just a dream and a vision to inspire people and impact people and, and go into this field. And so that was my passion. And I came and found many of the teachers and authors I'd read about, studied with some of them. And then and then a couple of years later, I, I my life changed again when I went in when I basically started traveling. And I went to Thailand and studied with some monks, with went to Israel and studied with some rabbis. I ended up in India. And it, in India, my time there for four months really it just transformed me. It was an inner revolution, so to speak, that that cracked me open to another level of knowing who I am and a sense of my purpose. And that then I came back and that's when my work began, you know, about 20 years ago, coaching people one-on-one -on -one before coaching was popular and worked with one person just out of the sheer, sincere, pure desire to make a difference in people's lives, coached one person and one person's life changed, another person's life changed. One by one, people came and uh, yeah, and it just expanded, you know, small groups, large groups, two best-selling books, and it just continued growing. So that's the very condensed version of yeah. my story. What a story. What I was coming to my mind was the point that you made how you had this intuitive feeling that this wasn't meant for you, it wasn't your path. And I've come across a lot of people, even in my mm. own journey, where I've been in a position of thinking this isn't for me. And there's been a fear of listening to that intuitive knowing and that feeling how did you build the courage to start to speak your truth I know that you mentioned you and your father had fell out and that you didn't speak for two years but talk to me about 
how you were able to do that and really face it with yourself instead of suppressing it because I think there are a lot of people who might have that feeling they're meant for something more or different than what has been initially put on them but fear keeps them paralyzed in that position so how did you work through it yeah for, for me I'll be honest I I didn't feel like I had a choice it felt like something so strong was pulling me and calling me. Like I just, I felt like it was bigger than me and I could have resisted it, but I think the, the feeling of resisting this deeper impulse was so painful that I felt like I I have to follow this because if I resist this, it's like, it's like resisting going to the toilet, resisting like you have to pee and like you're resisting it. And so that resistance was so painful, you know, and and then I projected into my, my future. And I thought, wow, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And I projected into my future and I saw myself living the expected path. And that was so painful. So on one level, it was just the acknowledging of the pain and and just letting myself feel the reality and the pain of the reality of what will happen if I resist. That was one thing. I think many times when we feel this, this, this thing, we distract ourselves, we deny it, we suppress it, we drink it away, smoke it away, drug it away, sex it away, you know, social media it away, shop it away, just so that we don't feel the pain and we don't feel the calling as a as a distraction mechanism. And so I just let myself feel the pain. And the pain was so great that that it just, it felt like it would have been more painful to deny the truth. So that was one. I, I think, uh, for me, the other thing, I think we have this myth or misconception or idealized notion that you've got to like get rid of the fear, eradicate, like have no fear. And I don't think that's true. I think really, if anything, uh, whenever you are expanding, whenever you are growing, you're going to feel afraid. If you are in a moment of your life right now and you feel no fear, probably the life you're living is too small. The choices you're making are too small. If you're truly growing, you're going to feel fear. You're going to be in a, you know, in, in a moment where you don't know how you're going to manifest this next level. To me, that's a sign of growth. That's that's the sign you're often going in the right direction. So you don't have to get rid of the fear. You can acknowledge the fear, breathe through the fear, love yourself every step of the way, encourage yourself every step of the way. But there comes a moment where you can sit down and, and and like work on the fear to try to get rid of it. And I'm not saying don't breathe, don't, don't, don't do some internal exploration, but there often comes a moment where the fear is there and you just have to learn to put one step in front of the next and another step in front of the next. And as the old adage says, feel the fear and do it anyway. Feel the fear and take the step. And that's how you develop courage. And that's how you develop the muscle where you feel the fear and you breathe and you 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 focus on many times we we get overwhelmed in fear because we're focusing on the future we're going into the future focusing on all the negative future fantasy of all the possible things that might go wrong we're focusing on everything that we have to do that then starts feeling overwhelming and creates more fear and oh my god all these things i have to do all the things that might go wrong all the things i don't know and now we're feeling really sort of overwhelmed with this fear anxiety feeling Rather than bring your attention back to the moment, this is something that really helps. Bring your attention back to the moment and ask yourself right now, what is in my control and what is the next action step? What is in my control and what's the one next action step? And maybe that next action step is a phone call. 
Maybe that one next action step is send an email. We all, we can all do that. But many times when we're focusing on the entire unknown possibility, because there's, the truth is there's never a way to plan and know the entire path and the entire unfolding. So from this perspective, we are projecting everything we think is going to be. But the truth is we don't know. And, and if we knew everything and we tried to figure everything out, so when I figure everything out, then I'm going to have no fear. That's not true because the truth is if we knew there's many things that if I knew what it was really going to be like, if I knew what the park was really going to be like, if I knew what the, the, the pursuit of my dream was really going to be like, I would never have even started. And, and so uh, we could never know. And so just take one step, focus on what's in your control and just take one step. The other thing I had to do was we often project into the future a negative future fantasy of the worst case scenario of what we think is going to happen. And I think that it's a strange thing. If you can just face that, like, what's the worst I think is going to happen? I'm going to be homeless. What's the worst? We often freak ourselves out with the worst case scenarios of what we think is going to happen. I'm going to be homeless. And so, number one, we have to question the worst case. Is it really true I'm going to be homeless? Because most of the time we think, oh, if I follow my dreams, I'm going to be homeless. But the truth is we can always stay with our mom or our dad or our sibling or our friend. We're not going to be homeless it may not work, but we're not going to be homeless on the street begging, you know, going through dumpsters. And so if we can question, is that scenario true? And we'll, we will often see like, what is the real worst case? The real, not, not the negative fantasy, ego-driven worst case, the real worst case. And if you can make peace with the real worst case, that frees you up. And we're often not in touch with the real worst case. We're in touch with a projection. So for me, my worst case was I will never have a relationship with my father again. That was my genuine worst case. And I didn't know for sure. But what I had to do, which was not easy, is I, as a kid, basically, faced that. And I had to just make peace. I, I literally, before I had the conversation with my father, what freed me up. And I'm not saying I was heartbroken, I was terrified, my heart was hurting, and I was grieving. But I had to make peace with the fact I may never have a relationship with my father again. And something happened when I began making peace with it. I began grieving that possibility. That started freeing me up because I thought, I can lie to myself, but I'm going to have to lie to myself for the rest of my life in order to keep my father, in order to get the love, validation, and approval from my father, and that's painful. Or I risk never having a relationship with my father again, which is painful, but I have myself. And when I made peace through the heartbreak of the possibility, I may not have him again, but I'm going to have myself and my life, that freed me up because I was no longer afraid of that. So when I had the conversation, which was, I was terrified before the conversation. I was terrified during the conversation. I was terrified after the conversation. I was shaking, but I had made peace with the fact that we may never speak again. And we didn't speak for two years. Uh, but what happened was, and we can go into this if you want at some point, but what happened was two years later when I was in the US and I was following my path, uh, I did some inner healing work and forgiveness of my father. And my father out of the blue called me up and said, we need to talk. And that began a healing journey with my father. And so what was amazing was in following my truth, 
in an honoring myself, my father and I were able to develop a relationship that was based on truth and authenticity and reality. And so make peace with the worst case, because if you can make peace with the worst case, you're free and make peace with the true worst case, not the projected worst case. And just the other thing is, yes, I think one of the things that keeps us stuck as human beings are all the ways that we lie to ourselves. I think as human beings, in many ways, out of because of fear, we lie to ourselves. So we're afraid to tell ourselves the truth. The challenge is, if we don't tell ourselves the truth, we can't really change. If we don't, if we're not honest with ourselves, we 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 can't progress. But we're often lying to ourselves out of fear, out of self-preservation, out of conditioning. We lie. We stay in relationships that we know are not right. We work jobs that we hate. That we no we're compromising our integrity we betray ourselves we say yes when we mean no in order to get love validation and approval what i say is if you betray yourself in order to get love validation and approval from other people even when they give you that love validation and approval that you are so desperately trying to get it will never be fulfilling it will never be satisfying because when you get love validation and approval by being someone that you're not deep down you know that the love they're giving you isn't real because the version of you that they're loving is not the real you. It's just the fake version of you that you're pretending to be, conditioned to be in order to get love, validation, approval. So even when they give you love by being someone you're not, it's not really satisfying and fulfilling anyway. You know, it doesn't satisfy that deep need inside. And so it's, it's I'm not gonna say it's a waste of time, but it's it, it, it ends up, defeating itself. And so I think if we can begin the process by asking ourselves the question, what lies am I telling myself? If you're really serious about beginning the process of surrender, beginning the process of breakthroughs, beginning the process of transformation, what lies am I telling myself? But the fear, as you mentioned, the fear is, oh, if I, if I tell myself the truth, what will happen? You know, what will happen to my relationship? And so here's what I would say. There is no transformation without truth. You have to want the truth more than you want what you think you want and more than you want what you have. But we're often afraid of telling the truth because we're afraid of the consequence. And so the ego creates, sort of goes into a self-protective mechanism of confusion, plays this game of like, I don't know, I'm confused, I'm not sure, I don't know, I don't know what my purpose is. We know what our purpose is deep down. We have a sense, but it's almost as though if I'm if I if I'm if I'm confused, I don't really know what, what my purpose is. I don't have to really put myself out there and live it. I don't know if this relationship is right for me, but it we, we have a sense if it's right or not. But we're afraid because if I really get clarity and know my truth, I might have to do something about it. And so confusion becomes the protective mechanism from actually taking that leap, taking that action, taking that risk out of fear. So take the pressure off of yourself of having to take any action. Let me repeat, take the pressure off of yourself of having to take any action and just begin with the truth. I hate my job. You don't have to leave your job, but just get into a relationship with the truth and feel what that brings up. I'm no longer in love with my wife, with my husband. Scary to, scary to admit. What does that, doesn't, you don't have to leave. You don't have to do anything, but that starts a process, a feeling inside. That starts a I have an alcohol problem. Scary to admit. Instead of saying, no, it's manageable. I only drink every day. You know, every day I drink and it's, I have an alcohol problem. You can't change something unless you're 
accept it than unless you get into a relationship with it. So just acknowledging the truth without the pressure of action is also a way to just ease into the next step. And then the feel the, the underlying feelings can kind of begin to come up to the surface. So those are some things I would say. Yeah. Wow. So much detail there and things for me to unpick with you. One of the things that I learned and you pointed out at the beginning of that was how fear never disappears. The fear is always yeah. going to be there. You just gain more self-trust and belief. And also if you're on a spiritual path, I, I trust in like the divine or higher power of assisting me on my journey and that mm. enables me to know that yes okay I might be required to as you say get real honest and move out of denial into truth but knowing that it's not just all down to me and that if I'm on this co-creation process of stepping into something that I'm being called to do or I really want to do and I feel connected to it then I'm going to be assisted in that journey so I think it's a, it's a complete practice of being able to start small and then build that you can yes. rely on yourself so it doesn't seem so overwhelming. And the other thing that comes to my mind as well was the point about fear. Some people actually do fear the chance and the possibility of success and stay in the position that they are because they're addicted, even though it's often like a subconscious thing, but addicted to feeling stuck mm. or feeling that unhappy because it's it's familiar so it's like how they move out of those patterns because they know deep down it doesn't serve them and they want to be able to I don't know create like a life of success maybe find a solo line partner and have a happy relationship or build a business that feels more fulfilling for them in whatever way but yet it's really about the fear of actually making the change yeah yeah we have to acknowledge it you know, yeah. sometimes we, it, 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 sometimes the honesty is to acknowledge, I don't want to make this change. I actually don't want to lose the 40 pounds. I actually don't want to be happy. What, what, what do you like, 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 there's a part of me that doesn't want it. Even though we say we want it, we don't. And I think the willingness to acknowledge the aspect of you that doesn't is a deeper truth. Because now you can work with it. Because no, I want to be married. I want to be in a relationship, but I'm not. I want to be married. I want to be, but I'm single. But I'm But I, we have to say, if I say I want it, but it's not happening, and it's not happening, and it's not happening. Why don't I want it? Because usually there are unconscious payoffs that we have for not shifting. There are unconscious payoffs that we have for not expanding. There are unconscious payoffs and protection mechanisms that we have for shining our light fully. Maybe we're afraid like, wow, if I'm, if I'm magnificent and I'm shining my light, I'm going to leave my tribe behind. I'm going to leave my family behind because they're stuck in certain ways. And I don't want to be too magnificent and too successful and too abundant because my mom and my dad and my siblings, they're like stuck back in the, you know, back, back on the same house and, and I won't feel connected to them anymore. And this is how we connect. And if I make them gazillion dollars and reach success, we're going to lose that connection. So unconsciously, there's this sort of upper limit that want, that has good intention to keep us small, right? So we have to just get acknowledged. Why do I not want to be magnificent? Why do I not want to expand? Why do I not want to? And if we can just acknowledge that, it sounds counterintuitive, but if we can just be honest about that, why do I not want to lose this weight? Oh, I'm afraid that if I lose this weight and I'm you know, radiant and beautiful and sexy and you know, attractive, 
people might find you know, men might find me attractive and 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 maybe i was abused when i was young and 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 so i put on the weight as a protection mechanism so deep down i don't want to lose the weight even though i want to lose the weight and i'm doing everything to lose the weight but i really don't want to lose the weight because now i might be perceived of, of as attractive and that's scary so there's a sort of internal resistance to what we say we want and so to address something you said um you know what often resists change what is the mechanism that resists change is ego our ego ego is what we perceive ourselves to be we have an ego we have a sense of identification ego is that sense of what we perceive ourselves to be based on name form experience childhood upbringing memories history everything that's happened to us now we hold on to this sense of meanness and we hold so tightly that gets reinforced by experiences and life and parents and, and, and everything around us and now we hold on to this version of ourselves that we've become and we think this is who i am but it's not and the degree to which we hold on to the idea of who we think ourselves to be is the degree to which we are actually limited and not free. And so ego is not a real thing. Ego is a process of identification. And so the ego's job is to, is to reinforce its existence. This is me. This is who I am. And that... Ego's job is to reinforce its existence, to give it a sense of existence and safety and security. And the ego's job is to protect you from getting hurt like you were hurt when you were young. So the ego is a creation, a reaction to experiences that, that happen that we then identified with. And the job of the ego is to reinforce its existence, to protect you from getting hurt like you were hurt when you were young. And so now when we talk about questioning yourself and change and being more and being better, the next level of your life, the next level, level of success and abundance and joy requires that you let go of the old version of yourself, which is threatening to the ego. See, the next level of your life requires that you let go of who you were, requires that you let go of what's no longer aligned, requires that you let go of old belief systems, old ideas. You can't manifest the next level of your life or the new level of your life being the old version of yourself. So change transformation even if it's amazing can be scary and threatening to the ego our perceived sense of self letting go surrender success expansion that next level requires us to be more but the ego of who we think ourselves to be is like no 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 no. this is who i am and this is why you know the ego out of good intention self-protection self-preservation right uh the ego doesn't want to change it's like no this is me this is who I am. I'm this way, and I know this because now I can be safe. Because if I know who I am, I'm safe. I can't get hurt. And, and so the ego doesn't want to change. The ego wants everything and everyone else to change, but it wants to stay the same. And this is why we often resist success sometimes. We resist expansion because that next level requires that we become more. And that is the unknown factor. And that terrifies the ego because becoming more and expanding and surrendering and being more, even if it's positive, feels like a death, 
a death of who we know ourselves to be and the ego is desperately kind of holding on to who we are and so it's identity and the degree to which we're so identified with ourselves because it's like you know there's that quote I, I might butcher the quote but the the devil you know is better than the angel that you don't know so well, at, le at least i know this level of suffering at least i know who i am at this level of success but the next level of success, I don't, I don't know what that, at least I know who I am in this toxic relationship or this mediocre relationship, but to break up and to risk the possibility of something amazing, that's scary. But at least I know what to expect of myself and, and, and this experience at this level. And so it's self-protection, it's self-preservation, I think. So what we need to do is to learn how to meet ourselves with love and compassion, to realize that you are not the ego. You see, when we're, when we're born, as children, we're born free. We're, born, we're not so identified with ourselves as this is who I am and this is who I am. We don't really know who we are. We're open, we're available, we're curious, but we're born. And the moment we're born, the conditioning process begins. We start getting conditioned by religion, by parents, by society, by media, by grandparents, by caretakers. This is who you are. This is who you're not. This is, boys are this way. Girls are this way. The conditioning process begins. Maybe dad was crazy. Maybe mom's an alcoholic. Maybe they're fighting all the time. Maybe they're great people, but they just didn't know how to meet our emotional needs. You know, And so two things happen. The first thing is we learn to shut down, disconnect, and not feel the pain of what is going on around us in our environment because it's too crazy when I see mom and dad fighting. It hurts too much to feel the disappointment when I see my needs aren't being met. So we suppress, shut down, disconnect. We erect walls around our heart. We start to control our experience of feeling. This creates an identification and we learn a way of being. Who do I need to be in order to get love and validation and approval? Oh, we develop a role. We develop a mask. We develop a persona. We become... The responsible one we become the the kind one we become the caretaker we become the funny one we become what we think we need to be we contort ourselves into a particular shape that becomes a persona an identity that we hold on to and this becomes me and this is why many of us we say ah this is just who i am but the next level of your life is going to require that you become more and that's why so you can't manifest that next level being the old version of yourself so that letting go process is a little scary. So we have to acknowledge, I am not this ego identification, the set patterns, my beliefs, my thoughts, all of this is changing. I'm not that. And when we can meet ourselves with love and compassion and hold ourselves, even when the fear arises, because it is a little scary to like, let that belief go. The world is scary. There's not enough to go around. Have to be super care. You know, it, it's scary to let those beliefs go because those beliefs and the way of perceiving the world and the way of experiencing the world has kept us safe. And it's, and it's how we know how to navigate life. And so I think if we can meet ourselves with love and compassion and gentleness along the way, through the fear, when the fear arises, just to breathe and to accept and to love ourselves and to encourage ourselves along the way, then we can begin to relax even when things are scary and breathe even when things are scary. And that's how we can kind of start gaining the inner cooperation with ourselves. Otherwise, those fearful part of ourselves just kind of kick in and go, no, I'm, I, I'm not going to, like, you know, 
I'm not going to open my heart in this new relationship, even, even though this person is amazing, even though this relationship is amazing, because when I was young, when I opened my heart, my needs weren't met. And that was too freaking painful. So like, why would I open my heart? Even though I, I finally fall in love with an amazing person, I'm going to kind of keep my heart closed because opening my heart might mean the same pain that I experienced as a kid. So let me just keep my heart closed. And so that closure and many of our behaviors, even though the behaviors are limiting, there's usually a positive intention underneath them. And so that's why it's scary to like open, whether it's to relationship, whether it's to success, because if I open to success, I might lose it. That might be painful. But if I don't open, then it won't hurt as much. Anyway, I could keep going, but those are some thoughts. Yeah, because the predictable is more familiar, so it feels safer, even though it's making us feel happy. Yeah. So one of the things yeah. that I learned on my journey when I was, you know, doing the inner work, and obviously I still do the inner work now because it's just a never-ending cycle. Is it? it's part of your lifestyle? Is finding people who have created and achieved or followed a similar path to yeah. what it is that I want, and seeing to believe that it is safe, it is possible. And obviously everybody's journey is going to be unique, but it can really help you to begin to see that this, you know, there is more on the other side of this fear. And if I release the attachment to the payoff that I'm currently getting from this situation, even though I feel unhappy and I build my yep. internal self-worth and see I can create this, this, this is possible. It's like the, the conscious and the subconscious begins to get to work then to, as you said earlier on, take those small baby steps. And even if it's just sending an email or posting something on social media or starting to start on a podcast or a YouTube channel or whatever it is, that's going to be the thing that in like 12 months time, if you continue to do that 18 months time, the whole shift is going to have occurred and you're on a different path. So it's, it's like, that's a little bit more welcoming for people. I find than like thinking transformations, this huge leap that they yep. have to make. It, it's not necessarily that, it's although that can happen. It is a process. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So when it comes to the concept of surrendering in all of this, so surrendering from attachment to the ego or surrendering from fear and surrendering from things not going the way that we hope because mm -hmm. we like to plan and prepare, don't we, often as humans. So where did surrender come in for your journey and how it helped you? And then what have you begun to see as a result of practicing more surrender and being open to it? Yeah, I, th I think for all of us, and I'll speak about myself also, I think for all of us, it's not a matter of are you going to practice surrender or not? Surrender is the process of life. We are all in the process of surrender. And so I think the question also then becomes for us all, how am I going to participate in the process of life that is the process of surrender? Because the moment we're born, we start aging, we start getting older, you know, aged 80, age 50, age whatever, hair falls out, hair turns gray, we get wrinkles, body parts stop work. It's just, we're forced to surrender. There's no way out. And so maybe for some of us, the moment of death, that's no escape. That's a moment of surrender. So it's not about will you surrender or will you won't. It's kind of like, how will we all participate in the process of life? That is a process of surrendering. We're all in that process. And so, um, 
Yeah, for me, I think, you know, that 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 experience when I was 17, 18 of having to leave my father's church and follow my path, that was like an initial moment of surrender. And there've been so many surrenders along the way. Um, the reason I was inspired to write the book and 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 like take a deep dive into this theme and into this topic was in 2016, the end, I was on a book tour. Uh, my first book, You Are The One, was a bestseller. Uh, and I got a phone call at the end of the year, 2000, 2016, telling me that my mother had stomach cancer. And that was deeply challenging because she was the person I loved the most, you know, the, my greatest supporter, the love of my life. She taught me love. And that was hard. And so I was in L.A. She was in London. And I started flying literally every month back and forth, back and forth, back and forth to London to be with her during her chemo sessions. And I soon realized that no matter what I do, I don't think I can help her. Like, like I had to begin surrendering. And what started off as the worst year of my life honestly became the best year of my life because I got to just be with her every month for a week, taking care of her. And I had to accept that this could be the last time I see my mother again. You know, it's it, like this is literally out of my control. And... Every moment became precious and I started savoring every moment with her. And about seven months into the process, the doctors finally said, had a conversation with us and they said to us, look, there's nothing that we can do. Yeah, basically, you're going to die. So get your affairs in order is what they say. And I remember being, I think it was a guy's hospital in London and they delivered the news and you know tears coming down my face because it's like well i've been preparing for this moment but the reality is something else and, and i looked at my mother and i said to her are you afraid and this little japanese woman looks me in the eyes just me and her and she says no i'm not afraid because i know i'm not this body this body is a temporary vehicle for my soul and my soul is eternal my soul will live on and i'll be with you from the other side and I looked at my mother and I said, look, I want to be a good son. Like, what do you need? What do you want? You know, your final days. I don't know how long we have. Hopefully it's long, but I don't know how long it is. So what do you need? What do you want? Um, what can I do? And she looked me in the eyes and she said, there's nothing I need and there's nothing I want. The only thing I want is what God wants for my life. And in that moment of just simple simplicity, I realized that she was free. I realized that she was truly at peace with herself. This whole year, my mother, who's a very emotional person, didn't cry, didn't complain. Like it's easy to let go and surrender when things go your way. It's easy to let go and surrender when life goes according to plan. It's easy to let go and surrender when you get what you want. But what about when you're dying, you know, in the face of your own mortality in real life situation? And so I saw that she was truly, truly free because she wasn't attached to living and she wasn't attached to dying. She was open to the highest unfolding of her soul, whatever that was, whatever that journey was. And I think that demonstrated to me the power, the simple raw power of surrender in a, in, in, in a difficult moment of life. 
in a challenging moment of life. And, and that showed me so much. And, and, and I started reflecting too on, and that's, I think for me, when the seed was planted, you know, and, and, and so when I looked and I reflected, like even the book about surrender was not the book I wanted to write. It was not the book I chose to write. I had my own plan for a book I thought I should write and the book I thought would be a bestseller and the book I thought my publishers would want, the book I thought my audience would want. And I remember like having an entire whiteboard of clever ideas and none of these clever ideas felt aligned. The only word that really felt true for me was the word surrender. And I resisted it because I thought, shit, I, you know, we know we should, but we kind of resist. And the people want to read about surrender because we, we kind of like avoid it, you know? Um, and yet it was the word that felt true. And so I had to surrender to the book about surrender. And, and so I think surrender, like we have this idea in our culture that surrender is, is weak, that surrender is passive, that surrender is waving the white flag, that surrender is giving up, that if you surrender, you're going to be a doormat. If you surrender, you're going to be taken advantage of, that if you surrender, you're you know, you have to sell everything and move to the Himalayas. You, if you surrender, you're not going to manifest your dreams and desires, or you're going to get less in life. And what I found is like, wow, what if you surrendered and you got more? Like more, like life gave you more than you could have even planned and imagined for yourself. What if you got more? Maybe not what you expected, but beyond. And I think if we all look at the best things, if we all are honest and we look at the best things that have happened in our lives, meeting your soulmate, meeting that person, most of it, we didn't plan. We didn't sit there, okay, on Saturday, I'm going to walk into the coffee shop and meet my soulmate. They're going to be sitting right there. It just kind of happened. You know, you went to the party, just open and available, no agenda. And it just happened in the process of living life, the process of just experiencing existence. And so I think... If we look at it, I think surrender is the most powerful thing that we can do. I've seen it in my life. Even many of the things I that didn't happen or didn't go according to plan that I didn't understand in a particular moment. It was years later, looking back, I was able to understand, oh, that's why that needed to not happen. That's why that needed to not work out. But many times when we're locked in ego, as we talked about, from the ego's limited perspective, we're not able to see the, the total possibilities of what's seeking to happen in a given moment or experience. And so I think that if you look at the truly great ones, when I stepped back and I looked at those that inspired me, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, uh, Martin Luther King, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, Mandela, they, they weren't weak people. At some point, they all had to surrender themselves to life. They all had to surrender themselves to the universe. They all had to surrender themselves to their soul, to a purpose that was bigger than themselves, to their deepest truth. And it was in that surrender that I think these humans, they were able to transcend their limited human capacity. And they tapped into another dimension of potential. And life was able to move through them and live through them and express through them. And that's when miracles happen. And so for me, surrender is a letting go of control. Or shall I say the illusion of control? Because we think we're in control, but we're not. And I think we, will, we often suffer when we try to control things that aren't in our control and we resist what is happening. And so part of surrender is a letting go of control when we stop trying to force 
life to fit our limited idea of how we think our life should be, who we think we should be, how we think people should be, so that we can take the limits off of life and be available and open and, and trusting and allow life in its intelligence to show us. And so for me, I've seen the power of surrender at work so many times. You know, uh, when COVID hit, I was already writing the book, The Magic of Surrender. And when COVID hit, uh, all, you know, for most of us, all hell broke loose. And for me, I was on the road, you know, 150, 200 days a year traveling, doing events. That stopped. Um, and I was upset. And many of us were frustrated. And, and so I was in L.A. for 20-some years. And so... Uh, I surrendered to no longer being in LA. I, I gave up my office in LA, my apartment in LA. I had a house in Phoenix that I would travel to every now and again. I moved to Phoenix, which I didn't really want to move to Phoenix. I would visit, but I moved to Phoenix. It was a culture shock. I was in Phoenix for a year. I was in relationship with the woman I thought was going to be the, you know, the love of my life forever, and turned out it wasn't. That was very humbling. Didn't understand like what is happening. Surrender. And, and, and then I ended up selling my house in Phoenix unexpectedly, just following, you know, the, the, the feeling of life, surrendering to this is where the flow is going. Ended up in Miami thinking, I'm going to be in Miami. I'm going to move to Miami. This is my new place. Ended up in Miami for a year and uh, moved back to L.A. again a year later. But long story short, all of that took me and ended up in the process meeting my wife in Brazil and all these unexpected things happening that had I and now I realize. Oh, had I not moved to Miami, which was like a few hours from Brazil, I probably wouldn't wouldn't have gone to Miami because it would have been too. And all these things now started to make sense. And so sometimes you start seeing how the universe needs to like orchestrate things, you know, to move things around so that you're available and open. And so when things don't happen or go according to plan, it can be disappointing. And what we tend to do is we contract, we collapse, we complain, we feel cursed. But when things don't go according to plan, what I've had to do, what I invite people to do is step back, breathe. Don't be so quick to assign a meaning to what you think is happening. This is the way it is. This is what it is. This is why it's happening. I'm not good enough. You know, God doesn't love me. It's because of this. Be willing to not know. See, part of surrender is the willingness to embrace the unknown. To say, you know what? This didn't happen. I really wanted it to happen. But I'm going to resist the temptation to make up a meaning about it. And I'm just going to be like, I don't know why this is not happening. Then you can be curious. Part of surrender is the willingness to cultivate curiosity. The curiosity is, what is happening? Why is this happening? What is my soul seeking to learn? What Curiosity is to not project and just say, what more amazing thing, like, what a more amazing thing is the universe seeking to unfold in this experience and step back and allow life to show you. Many times we're still trying to push life that we're not creating the space to allow life to show us. And often in a moment of when something isn't happening, we're not able to see and understand. So if we step back, life will tend to make sense as we live it and as we learn the lessons along the way. And so cultivating curiosity, allowing life to lead you, I think is a key. And so for me, I look back now and go, wow, what started out as a nightmare two years now has turned out to be the most amazing two years of my life. And it needed to happen that way to maneuver things in my life, to maneuver things so that 
all these other amazing things could happen, but I wasn't able to see it, you know, uh, in that moment or at that time. And so be open, be curious, be available. Do you believe that there is a certain divine path or a soul path that we follow or we're meant to follow during our life experience? And sometimes we obviously aren't fully conscious and aware of that. That's why the ego will try to resist. So when the universe almost puts you in a place where you have to surrender, it's yeah. guiding you on the path. Yeah, I think I think many times there is there look, I would say there is an energy and intelligence of life. It's innate intelligence of life that we are all a part of that energy. And it is unfolding and it is moving. And if you take your mind and you out of the way and you just kind of relax, you will often feel the flow of life. Mm. So, yeah, I don't exactly know the specifics, but something's kind of moving in this direction. But what we often do is, no, I've got to be here. Mm, this relationship is kind of like, no, this person has to be the one. And we and that's when suffering happens. But yeah. the path, the, the flow of energy that is life, that we are a part of, is flowing. If you really become still, you'll start feeling something's flowing here. Something's, something, something is unfolding here. It doesn't mean we don't have certain you know, actions to take in, in that flow. But like something's kind of flowing in this direction. And, and if we're willing to just move with the energy and show up the best that we can and, and not fight that, that true flow, not the ego flow, but the true flow, then yes, then you're working, I think, in harmony with nature. It's like the seasons of life. Like if you go to, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I was in, um, I was in London recently, and it was freaking cold. I'm like, this is. Good. But if you're like, no, I want it to be sunny, and I'm gonna go to, you know, London in a bikini and and, and swim trunks, and I'm gonna like <laughs> demand that I swim, and I'm gonna like visualize it. I'm sorry, but this is the season, and so life has a rhythm, life has a cycle, life has an intelligence that we are not separate of. But when we are locked into so over-identification with ego, now we believe we are separate from nature and we are separate from the flow of life. And now we kind of like try to control it. That's when we suffer. You know, so I think, you see, the old paradigm is all about what do I want? Get clear on what you want from the level of the ego. You can't manifest from the level of the ego, but it will often be limiting in some way because the ego in and of itself is conditioned and is limited to the past experience. So for me, I would invite people to ask a question. The question is less about what do I want? The question becomes more about what is it that life is seeking to express for me? What is it that, that, that life, that I am a part of this life? We are a part of nature. See, you know, the sun, the moon, the sky, the trees, the mango, they understand that they are a part of nature. You know, they, they're not trying to, the mango isn't on the tree going, oh, shoot, how am I going to get ripe? You know, how, how am I going to get to Tesco? How am I going to get to Ralph? How, what do we, it's just, just being. And when it's ripe, it falls. But as human beings, we're like, how is it going to happen? Because we think, we mistakenly think that we are separate from the flow. We mistakenly have this illusion that we are separate from existence when in fact, we are a part of existence. And so part of surrendering is to surrender to what we truly are, which is part of existence. Jesus said, I and my father are one. 
And he said, the things I do, you can do these things and more. So if he's saying, I and my father, one, I and life are one, I and, and the universe are one, then we are also one with that. But when we are locked into ego condition identification, we separate from existence. And now we try to control all of life. And to be honest, controlling life is like a mosquito on the arse of an elephant trying to control an elephant. It doesn't work. So surrendering to, we are one with nature. We are a part of nature. And there is an intelligence that is breathing you. It's breathing me. It's, it's like right now we're having this conversation and we're being breathed. We're not sitting here going, <laughs> it's just happening, right? There are trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of cells inside of you that are just doing what it needs to do, blood flowing, moving in different parts of the body, eyes connecting to the brain, brain chemicals moving, everything going in the body, blah, 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 mitochondria. It's happening in spite of us. And, and we and we don't trust, we don't, we, we don't trust what we are. We don't trust existence. We don't trust life. We we trust Siri on our phone more than we trust life and what we are, that we are one with life. And so I think when we can remember and surrender to, we are part of existence. We are a manifestation of existence. Then life flows. Then we are in flow with life and in harmony with life rather than going against the flow. Yeah. And you mentioned something about how surrender can sometimes be interpreted as being passive. And it's mm. actually not about being passive. Like you can still take a line's action, but you come across those people where they get that frustrated because they're doing all the things, they're taking all the action, they feel it's not working how they want it to work. And that's the level of resistance, isn't it? Because it's the forcing. And when we are taking the aligned action steps, but then stepping back, we're creating yes. space energetically for the, like you say, the magic to step in the universe to do its thing and to reorganize. So yeah, I think it is so important to not get so fixated on things and attached, I, attached, yeah. attached. Yeah, yeah. yeah take, take get into flow, and then take action. You might work harder than you've ever worked in your life, but the key is don't get attached to the outcome and the results. Then you're you're taking action, but you're available and open to life showing you. Ooh, maybe go here because sometimes the goal isn't the goal. It's just a necessary puzzle piece that takes you on the journey that causes you to grow and evolve. But maybe the goal is over here, but you had to go over here to learn what you needed to learn to be prepared for over here. Yeah, definitely. Because then you just don't know what's around the corner and it can often be better than what you anticipate, which is obviously what you've yeah. already pointed out. Um, yeah. Kuta, I would love to hear a little bit more about how people can find you if they want to know a little bit more about your work uh, and what sure. you're coming up. Yeah, just it's very simple. Uh, thank you again. Um, Get the book, The Magic of Surrender. Start there. It's like $15, super simple. But it's a simple roadmap to step-by-step -step kind of living surrender in your everyday life. Uh, the Magic of Surrender, Finding the Courage to Let Go. Uh, check that out on Amazon. Secondly, if people feel inspired by the conversation today and maybe you feel ready for a deep dive and, and to really go to your next level twice a year, I do a very special event in Bali, Indonesia. It's called Boundless Bliss Bali. Uh, people can find out more, www.boundlessblissbali.com. It's a 12-day experiential seminar training without walls, where I take you through a, a life-changing 
process that is designed to help you strip away the layers of conditioning and help you connect to your authentic self and you know give your gifts to the world so that's that's uh in july july the 28th through august the 8th www.boundlessblissbali.com my main website coot blackson my name k-u-t-e coot blackson um instagram coot blackson facebook coot love now my podcast soul talk amazing i was actually in bali in october last year i went nice. for a month. Nice, it's my first nice, time visiting. Nice, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for your time and just sharing your wisdom. You. Just uh, <clears throat> what, everything you just communicate with so much integrity and passion. And just I've really enjoyed this conversation. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you so much for listening to Lift Yourself Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. And if you would like to see more content from me, follow me on Instagram at underscore lauralifts underscore. If you're feeling generous, give this podcast a review on the Apple Podcast app as it will help this podcast get in front of more people who need to hear this content. Thank you so much for listening. I am so, so grateful to have you with me and I'm really looking forward to speaking to you next time.